I want to talk this morning a little bit about light, that one of the many trappings of Christmas is that of lighting and how we use it. Uh, Your family may very well tour those neighborhoods where you live, uh, those areas in your community that have gone to great lengths to, to create a dazzling display of lights. Uh, There are Christmas light-up events uh, in towns and cities throughout our country. Uh, Many of us go to uh, some work, and in our house that would be Eva, so that we can kind of bask in the glow that is reserved for the Christmas season. And I think all of this speaks to the power of light, to take that which is ordinary about our surroundings and transform it into something special. There's a little, I will call it very much working class neighborhood, very close to where we live in Rutland. Uh, If you were to drive through that neighborhood on any day, there would be nothing about that neighborhood that would stand out. But over the last few years, that neighborhood, um, various homes decided, you know what, let's, uh, let's decorate a bit. And over the years, it's become an amazing um, display, not only of lights. Uh, they, I drove through there again. I pretty much drive through there every day. They, they hand out drinks. They, they're collecting food for the food bank. And this very ordinary spot in the middle of, right, of Rutland is turned quite literally into something special. And what draws people are the lights. That light has the power to change not only our surroundings, and now I'm talking physical light, even the lights here, but it also has the power to sort of change how we experience those surroundings. There's a quality to light that has life and goodness written all over it. We often use it as a metaphor for truth, for hope, for goodness. We speak about light at the end of the tunnel as an expression of hope. When confronted with things that may puzzle us or confuse us, somebody may step into that conversation and offer new information. They might offer a new perspective, and we might say that he or she shed some light on whatever that issue was. That light has the power to provide clarity, and that light points us to the truth. I would say light also has the amazing power to push aside darkness and to dispel fear. And again, I'm talking right now about the physical attributes of light. Every little night light that shines in the hallway of your home, every little sticky star that shines on the ceiling of your child's room speaks to the power of light. That little miner's light that you might wrap around your head as you walk to the campsite washroom in the middle of the night 
reflects the power of light. There have been times when I have been all alone on the connector in a driving snowstorm where the only indicators of where the road was have been the little white posts on the edge and sort of had this overwhelming sense of white silence. And then all of a sudden in the distance I would make out the taillights of another vehicle. And kind of with it came an assurance that there were other people on this road as well. That light has the power to serve as a companion and a guide. All these situations deal with physical properties of light and the power of light in the ordinary situations of life. And I think that when we reap the benefits of light, in whatever form it may be, we actually are reaping the benefits of something that God ordained. Because light itself originates from the heart and the hand of God. Genesis chapter 1 says, Now the earth was formless and empty. Don't even know what that means. It's formless and empty. I can't even comprehend that. And darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, and God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. I think all that is good about light reflects the goodness of God himself. And that God, in a very real way, has been separating light from darkness ever since. And this Christmas, as you bask in the glow of the lights, even those lights in your home, the Christmas lights, take that physical reality of light and allow it to direct your heart and your thoughts to God himself. Because into the darkness, God has chosen to shine a great light. In the same way that creation reflects what we might call the physical light, which was a gift from the hand of God, Christmas is the miraculous story of spiritual light. And this too is a gift from the heart and the mind of God. The birth of God in human form was accompanied by bright lights, by stars, by the radiance of spiritual beings. But these physical manifestations of light came to shed light on to expose a different kind of darkness. The Bible speaks of a spiritual blindness that separates people from the God who created them. And that Jesus came to expose and to make plain that darkness. To shine his light into our lives and quite literally, I want to say, expose us for who we are. I think it's interesting that in large cities, when darkness falls, cities can take on a completely different feel. 
And while some of that may simply reflect sort of nightlife or entertainment life that uh, sort of picks up in the evening, there's also a darker side of life that surfaces when the lights go down. Those things you might say done under the cover of darkness. We have friends that spent um, several years in South Korea. South Korea is a very progressive nation. Uh, Korea is a very religious nation. There are many, many Christians in South Korea. But they said to us that when night falls in Korea, that Korea takes on a different persona. At a personal level, this darkness might refer to those things about ourselves that we tend to hide or those things we tend to do in secret. At times, spiritual darkness can have a powerful, I will say, evil aspect to it, an evil that is almost tangible, and we get a sense of that evil at times when we turn on the news. I think our world has sort of sensed and felt that evil in a very direct way over the last month or so. At other times, that evil or that spiritual darkness, I want to say, is probably more subtle. And it may refer to people's inability or people's unwillingness to see beyond that which is visible or obvious about their lives into that which is deeper and those things that we tend to want to hide. And when the Bible talks about opening the eyes of our hearts, it's a direct invitation to allow the light of Jesus to expose us, to expose me for who I am. It's an invitation to humbly acknowledge the truth of what the Bible, the truth of what God, the truth about what Jesus says about me, that I'm a sinner. And I simply have to say guilty as charged. Around us, there are many people who choose to reject that truth. Choosing rather the darkness they know rather than the truth or the light that Jesus offers. There's no question that the light of Jesus is a revealing light. There's nothing about me that Jesus does not know. But at the same time, it is a saving light. It is the light that offers forgiveness and freedom through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on my behalf. John 3.19 says this, God's light came into the world, but people of the darkness, more than the light, for their actions were evil. In Jesus was life, and the life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Jesus came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet, to all who did receive Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become 
children of the living God. I think sometimes of the religious readers of Jesus' day. The people that you might have expected to be spiritually in tune or spiritually sensitive. But they suffered from profound spiritual blindness. Even though Jesus stood in front of them, engaged them in conversation, and performed miraculous signs and wonders in their presence, they did not acknowledge him as the Son of God. When Jesus healed the man who had been blind from birth, it's so interesting, the Pharisees did not see evidence of God. They saw an opportunity to judge Jesus based on a religious technicality that he chose to do this on the Sabbath. And I found myself thinking, really? They missed what was obvious because the Bible, I think, would say that they are spiritually blind. I think it's such a blatant example of how often we can miss things even though they stare us in the face. Because to acknowledge them would mean to give credibility to Almighty God. I think creation is such an example. The miraculous handiwork of God that stares us in the face every day. Yet people increasingly seek to push God out of that conversation. I think about the miraculous gift of new life, and I was thinking about that for Jonathan and Nikki. The gift of new life and all the unbelievable intricacy of how we are formed. Yet man seeks to remove God from that very miracle we can hold in our hands. I believe there are obvious signs of God's fingerprints all over everything he has made. But people continue to dismiss them or miss them as evidence of God. It happens with Christmas. People are happy to embrace the trappings of Christmas, but push back against the truth that the birth of Jesus was truly God in human form. God's loving response to heal a broken, sinful, and often very proud world. You might argue that Christmas is different from creation, which I can see. Christmas is different from a new baby that I can hold in my arms. And it is. I agree, it is different. That God in human form remains a mystery that I am willing and I need to accept by faith. That without faith it is impossible. To please God, I'm going to say without faith, it's even impossible to come to God. And that faith is a gift from the Spirit of God himself. But I need to say that what I know about the Christmas story is that what it has to say about me and my own imperfections, my selfishness, at times my greed, my pride, Weaknesses that I may have in so many areas of my life that my sin is as real as creation around me. I can see it. I can sense it. I may see its effect on me at times and I may see it 
its effect on others around me. And it's that sinfulness that Jesus came to deal with. The Bible says that it is our sinfulness that separates us from a perfect God. Jesus came to take the sins of the world upon himself, and those who are willing to confess, I'm going to say, what is obvious? To confess my own sinfulness, and are willing to accept by faith that Jesus came as my Savior, to say, I choose to believe in him, and he says, you will become a child of a living God and share in an inheritance that even death cannot keep us from enjoying. Allowing the revealing light of Jesus to expose us also exposes our need of a Savior. That the revealing light of Jesus also speaks to his sacrificial love for us. It is a light that offers us forgiveness and freedom. Most of you sitting in this congregation this morning probably would agree with everything that I've said so far, and you would say, I am a child of the living God. I've accepted that light. I've, I've accepted what Jesus has to say about me is true. The Bible also encourages us as children of God to walk in the light. To make sure that our lives give evidence to the light of Jesus in how we live. Psalm 89 verse 15, it's a great verse. I thought about that as we gathered this morning and all those who gather, wherever they gather to, to come before the presence of God. 89.15 Psalm, happy are those who hear the joyful call to worship. For they will walk in the light of your presence. Uh, I just thought about that as wherever people gathered this Sunday morning to lift up the name of Jesus. Those who I'm going to say heeded the joyful call to worship. David says, you will walk in the light of your presence. John 8, 12, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Ephesians 5, 8 to 10. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord, so live as people of light and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord, for this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. It's a challenge that you and me as children of God, in spite of our sin, are called to lead lives that speak to the truth that into the spiritual darkness of our life, a great light has been shone. And that light is Jesus. And my humble and perfect life is to give off his light. It's not to be hidden. It's to be given off and given away. And I would ask this morning, I think about it, within my own context and for us at Creekside Church, how much light are we giving off for the glory of God in the surroundings into which he has placed us? There is a darkness, there is a blindness that pervades our world. It pervades our country. It pervades the district of Lake Country. 
When we proclaim the message of Christmas, the message of the cross, and the message of the risen Christ, we are increasingly speaking a language our country and our city does not understand or identify with. The average home in Lake Country, I would say, does not hold these things as truths upon which they build their lives. That we are surrounded by spiritual blindness, and into that darkness God has shone a great light, and we, as kingdom people, are called to shed that light, to shine that light into our world, into our country, and into our community. And as we look ahead to 2016, I think we should ask ourselves as a church, how can we, as children of light, here in Lake Country, shed that light into our community in a more deliberate and a more intentional way? I pray that God would speak that into our hearts and our lives to challenge us. How much light am I shedding? The Bible says that even the darkness of the grave will not be able to put out the light of Jesus. That death will simply usher us into eternity where God says he is preparing a place for us. The Bible speaks of a glorious hope that is still to be revealed to us. In Genesis, the light separated the darkness day and night. In Jesus, God invites us to step from spiritual darkness into spiritual light. But I think it's very interesting that in heaven there is no mention of darkness. No mention of darkness in heaven. There will be no need to separate darkness from light in the kingdom of heaven in glory. Revelations 21 verse 24 says this, the city... It's talking about the city of heaven. I'm talking about things I do not understand. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it light, and Jesus is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. Its gates will never be closed at the end of the day, because there is no night there. I can only imagine what that will be like. I began this morning talking about some of the physical realities of light, and Jeff, you can go back to that. And I was thinking about this on probably Thursday and Friday, that I had sort of identified those things as physical properties of light, the benefits, the goodness that light just shines in our physical surroundings. And then as I looked at them again, I thought that every one of those also has a spiritual truth, that Jesus has the power to change not only our surroundings, our home, perhaps our marriage, perhaps our workplace, perhaps our community. Jesus has the power to actually change how we experience those places in which God has put us. That Jesus provides clarity. I think 
Jesus provides such truth and clarity in terms of describing who I am. And then he leads me to the truth that is Jesus himself. Son of God, come for me. And that Jesus has the power to serve as a companion and guide. When Jesus ascended into into heaven, he said, Do not worry, I will send a comforter, the Spirit of God that lives within each one of us. As a companion, as a guide. So as I end, I just want to say, I want to encourage us that when you see lights this Christmas, even physical lights, let them remind you of God. Wherever you see lights this Christmas, let them remind you that Jesus is and remains truly the light of the world. And may the lights of Christmas remind us that we are called as children of God to give off his light. I want to pray and I'll invite the worship team to come back. Heavenly Father, I I just give you thanks for the power of light. And it's powerful in symbolic ways. But Father, it is what Jesus said about himself. That Jesus declared that I am the way, the truth, and the life, that I am the light of the world. Father, would you actually allow that to penetrate our lives in a way that is perhaps deeper than we've thought of before? I pray that for myself. I pray that for our church. Father, would we be willing and at times to risk what it means to shed that light into the darkness that is around us? Challenge us, I pray, by the Spirit of God. In Jesus' name, amen.